0: Continue the conversation on the talking point for this morning and for our health feature today, we are focusing on dementia. Dementia, uh, a serious condition which involves memory loss. And we know that uh, most times the elderly are most at risk of suffering from dementia, but I'm certainly not the expert. Let me welcome onto the line Professor Felix Potter. Potochnik, rather, and he is an old age psychologist who uh, has a special focus on dementia. Prof, good, mo- good morning and thanks for your time today.
1: Hi, good morning, Kathy. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm actually a psychiatrist. So,
0: um, yes, oh, a psychiatrist of, and not a so psychologist. Yes, All right, thank you so much. Okay, no. Thanks for that correction, do- uh, <laughs> Prof. Let me also. So welc- this
1: means we can talk about medication. You see. So okay, fantastic, well. yes.
0: fantastic. Let okay. me also welcome onto the show, Karen Borokovitz, uh, who is the founder and director of Dementia SA. Karen, good morning.
2: Good morning, Kirstie,
0: and to your listeners, good morning. All right. Firstly, let's just talk about dementia and what it is as a disease. Uh, Prof, let me give you the chance to uh, just set the context for us so that we fully understand the kind of disease that we're really dealing with here.
1: Yes, so um, out of a population of about 60 million, we have some 6 million elderly, and of those, about 10% suffer from dementia. And dementia, by definition, is uh, a problem with cognition. That means the way you use your brain and the way the brain works for you and with you it has to do with memory, uh, taking data, making sense out of your environment. It also affects your mood and behavior and it affects your functions, your ability to do everyday things, simple things such as taking your medication or making a sandwich to very complex things if you're still at work. So it's more common in older age, and that's why the focus is always on elderly. But actually, our youngest case was 35, and our oldest was about 96 So it can take a come about at any time, but usually in older age.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are the causes of dementia? So is it a result of other underlying conditions?
1: Yes, it's often associated with those. Um, the most important one is the cardiovascular system. So in other words, cardiovascular being the heart and the circulation, And therefore, if you look after the heart and circulation, you do everything that's good for that. Your chances of dementing later in life are much less, and we now have early proof that in the Western world, there's a mild decline in the cases of dementia already because of the cardiovascular system being brought under control. Mm.
0: Let's talk about some of the signs and symptoms of dementia. And Karen, I think um, this is where you can come in, especially from a personal experience and, and, and what you were able to to see and what you went through uh, as a family.
2: Yes, thanks, Kathy. And uh, good morning, Professor Patashnik as well. Oh, hi, <laughs> <Catherine>. <laughs>
1: Scarring. Um, We're all so friends, the, she's very formal. You know,
2: and, <laughs> and there's the two very difficult surnames on the on the program today too. Um, so we saw, um, you know, recent um, memory loss with my mom who lived with uh, Alzheimer's disease for 21 years. Um, The first thing that we noticed was obviously her short-term memory, um, that she would forget things that she normally didn't have a problem forgetting, where she had put the keys, uh, what she had uh, just done earlier on in the day, um, who had just come to visit, uh, etc., etc. So that really was, uh, those were the first challenges that she experienced. Um, But she, she really did hide it very well from us. Um, and that's the one thing that, um, you know, when I noticed it because I was living in Cape Town, they were in Johannesburg, she would call me first um, because uh, she knew that um, I couldn't go and look for the keys and I couldn't point out the things that she was forgetting. Mm. Um, so uh, she hit it very well for my father. And when I did eventually bring it up to him and say, you know, I think that we need to have this checked out. Um, you know, he protected her. So there possibly was about two or three years before she was finally diagnosed that she was sort of, you know, she went sort of untreated, if one could put it um, uh, in that way. So misplacing things, um, things that she used to enjoy during cake decorating, she withdrew from all of those. Um, she couldn't find the words to describe certain things um, or certain objects. Like she would point to the milk jug on the on the tray and say, "Just pass me that thing," um, and you know, use the, the 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 actual name of what it was. Mm. Um, also, keeping track of things, you know, how things needed to flow. In a logical sense, in a logical um, order. So all of these things we saw together um, really made us, uh, you know, um, quite concerned. Oh, that
0: that is that is incredibly helpful, Karen. And and you know, as I'm listening to Karen, Prof, I'm thinking about how. In society, it is quite normalized to uh, when we are re- referring to elderly people that, you know, that some memory loss is to be expected, you know, that all people forget things or they forgetful. And it's it's almost normalized in, in, in society. Um, is, is 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 that problematic, especially when it comes to then needing to identify diseases such as dementia?
1: Yes, and uh, exactly, Cathy. Memory changes over the ages. We peak at around 20 when we have fluid intelligence, remember everything. At 40, we already need notes and diaries and uh, fridge magnets to help us, but we have a better understanding of the universe. And then 60 onwards, about a third of us start having mild memory issues. And it's that that makes it so difficult because when is it mild and stays there? Mm-hmm. And when does it slowly evolve into something more sinister? And so even in a given family, you often have the kids overseas. And they said, no, there's nothing wrong with mom. I spoke to her this morning. She was fine. And the kids locally picking up, fetching, carrying, doing everything, saying, no, she definitely needs extra care. So that's how subtle it can be and how they play off the children as well. Mm. So, um, yes, uh, it's a a good third of the elderly eventually have some memory issues. And it's, as you say, it's, uh, it's difficult to pinpoint when does it become too much. So it's usually when we feel they can't function properly, either if they're still working or in their social capacity. In other words, they start missing social capacity, uh, hairdressers appointments, they in, um, I say they're in inappropriate in company or they embarrass people or they embarrass themselves, um, then you realize here's an issue.
0: Mm. Is it often to find people who are perhaps experiencing some of the symptoms of dementia wanting to hide it? Um, and wanted, wanting to keep it a secret as as much or as far as possible.
1: Yes, um, and especially the more intelligent ones will definitely hide it, and they're able to because they're so bright. So they say, oh, silly me, of course, yes. You say, oh, but mom, you should know where it is. Yeah, Yes, of course I know. Uh, you did not have to point it out. I was getting there, you know. So they sort of glibly... Pass it away. And unfortunately, the friends are also often lacking in insight. So that makes it very difficult for the spouse because the, the friends will back the, the patient that so say there's nothing wrong, as if the spouse is now exaggerating everything and being difficult about
0: Mm. And and, to and get the
1: circle. Yeah.
0: Yes. And and Karen, yeah. just just you know, listening to your own story, it sounds to me that it, it may have been a bit mm. difficult to bring the family together to agree on this issue and the way forward in terms of what medical intervention was needed, if if any was needed.
3: Yes, that's Absolutely. correct. So
1: yes, so Karen actually picks up more on that. And then I'll go into what medical intervention gone, I think, if you'd like to add in.
2: yeah yeah, I think that um professor Patashnik um you know has has touched on the point that you know hiding it because there's such great stigma that is involved firstly, in the disease and in the diagnosis um of the disease. um but I think the one very, very important thing that we should know about dementia is, is that dementia or, or any of the types of dementia. Um, or not necessarily um, it's not only a disease that affects the person living with the disease, it affects the family. and that's why it's absolutely essential that everybody should be on board when it comes to understanding what the changes are, what everybody's experiencing, um, you know how everybody sees it and then together as a united sort of force, Find out how they can get better information, how they can be empowered, and how they can all, as a collective, um, look after um, you know the loved one that is experiencing the uh, the disease. Yes, okay, Kathy. Um, yes, you, shall you, I you weigh
1: can. You, no, you can go for it. On the medication. Yeah. Yes. So, so Kathy, the way it works, there are four medications on the market worldwide to help this, but three are in one group and one's on its own. So technically, because three are in one group, we've only got two medications, and ideally people should be on both. However, the the way it starts, because the memory problems are so mild, you need very small doses initially, and people should rather see it as a supplement than a treatment. The same way as if you're hormone deficient, you'll take uh, some hormones for your menopause. Uh, testosterone's low, you take testosterone. Your vitamin D3 is low. Uh, you take some vitamin D Your B12's low. You get vitamin B12 either orally by injection. So as these things start cropping up with age, uh, so does memory and memory issues. So we supplement with a, what we call a cognitive enhancer. And um, those cognitive enhancers are effective in 95% or more of all the dementias. There's some 50 to 60 causes. So everyone knows about Alzheimer's, but there's hardening of the arteries, vascular, dementia, as we know it, Parkinson's, Lewy body, tumors, HIV. There's a whole lot of causes of dementia. But um, these medications will help in 95% of those. So in the early phases, you often haven't got a diagnosis. You can't quite say with definiteness it is Alzheimer's or it is vascular. But you start the treatment because by the time you get round and the diagnosis appears, that horse is bolted and you're now closing the stable. So rather help the person right from the beginning, monitor them with very small doses. So we have a lot of businessmen coming to us and um, it's always a telltale sign. They'll come without a spouse or a friend or mm. family. They're aware of the memory problem at work. They've picked it up. They want to treat it. And at that point, they want their family to know about it. And then as time goes on, we say, look, it is affecting your family. You have these and these comments. Bring your family on board let's fill them in on what's going on so that everyone can
3: support Mm you.
0: It it sounds like such a a difficult process to to go through for the individuals who are involved. Um, Prof, before we go to the news headlines, any particular demographic that is more or less affected by dementia? What do the numbers say?
1: No, um, everyone's equally affected. Um, What we have been able to show that Now we've got to put it very carefully. The women who do need hormone replacement, in other words, at menopause, they have menopausal symptoms, and medically it's shown that they are deficient in hormones. If they get their hormone treatment for some say two years, others argue five years, then at a later age men and women are equally vulnerable to dementia, whereas at the moment the stats still say females are more at risk than males, but it's due to that period at menopause where they're not getting the uh, replacement therapy. So uh, uh, it doesn't affect one ethnic group more than the other. Uh, Wealth doesn't come into it. Brilliance doesn't come into it. It's uniform. The percentage worldwide is the same for every country, and um, the economics, to some point, affected a little bit, but not anything worthwhile
4: going into.
0: All right. So I'm going to be taking a couple of callers after the 11:30 news headlines.
4: The talking point with Cathy Mosasana weekdays nine a.m. till midday.
0: We're in conversation with Professor Felix Patochnik, who is an old age psychiatrist with a special focus on dementia. And Karen barokovitz who is the founder and director of Dementia South Africa. And our focus in terms of our health talk today is on dementia. You can get in touch with us on 11 714 and on the WhatsApp line 614 let me kick it off with Colin. Colin, you're calling us from Cape Town. Hello.
5: Good morning, Cathy, and good morning to your two <laughs> guests, Prof, and uh, uh-huh. I just forgot the other lady's name. But and Karin, yeah. Karin. Right. Um, you know, when I'm talking to my friends, I'm a 74-year-old, and we talk about years gone by and things like that, and, that and film stars and singers and songwriters. And I reckon to oh, be, will put your memories. Damn good, you remember, and we can't remember. But lately, if I'm sitting on the patio and I say to myself, "Oh, let me go to the room and get my cell phone," when I walk down the passage and I get to the room, I say to myself, "Now, what did I come here for?" You know? So to me, it's like a a, a flash that your memory just goes from uh, uh, in a matter of 20 meters walking. Do you understand? Uh, I go back to where I sat. Then I sit again. Oh, I wanted to get my cell Now I go straight to it. Now, I heard you saying, Prof, that circulation um, can also cause that. And uh, I'm taking, at the moment, uh, I get an injection, a, a, a B, a vitamin B. Now, does that help for circulation or what? My heart is 100%, blood pressure, everything, 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 everything. But I've got a bit of a problem well, I, can, uh, I was told to stop smoking. I've been smoking for 50 odd years, you know what I mean? So it's very hard for me to uh, stop. So, And somebody told me, which I did go on a couple of months ago, if you have a cup of uh, uh, rosemary tea that's good for the brain and the memory. And, you know, I never had that problem but then I stopped it a couple of months ago. I wonder if I should go back onto this. this is that just my imagination? And rosemary tea is also quite, it helps the brain, the memory, you know? So what yes. I'm talking oh, about. Colin, let,
1: let, let me. Yes, I'll, I'll gladly help you. Uh, firstly. Uh, can I listen when you on the radio, Paul? It? Yes, I'm on the radio. You're no, on the can radio. Can I listen as on well. the
5: radio? I can hear you a bit on the radio.
0: Oh, okay, no no problem, Colin. You can do that. You can do oh, that.
1: Sure. <laughs> Thanks. <you>. Bye. <laughs> all right, Colin. Bye bye. Um, so, Colin, your, your, the way you put it out is classical. All right, that things from a long time ago are very clear, almost enhanced initially, and but very recent things or as happened today uh, becomes an issue. So, I'm not saying going into a room and not knowing why you went there. Is a problem, but as you know yourself, if you do it once too often every day repeatedly in the week, then there is an issue. So um, it's, it's a degree and the variation. You can miss an appointment once in six months, say, but if you miss one every week, clearly there's an issue. So you must see it in, in perspective. When it comes to the circulation, um, vitamin D3 and a lot of other things are all interlinked they're what we call immune modulators and they all have a role to play that is why d3 has recently come into the limelight in itself it 's not going to do everything all right so your key thing is uh, circulation keep your brain active all right um, if you're on painkillers they oddly enough help delay it cause the, these illnesses on inflammation of the brain but Too many brain killers and, uh, I mean, too many painkillers and you've got problems with your liver and your renal system and there's also evidence to show it actually does nothing then. If anything, it damages the brain. So keep it at normal low levels. If you're arthritic, uh, you may benefit in a roundabout way. So some of the diabetic medications may also be of benefit in this regard. And that doesn't mean you now go and get diabetes. You see, so the uh, we also know that um, two to three glasses of red wine are beneficial. We know that uh, three cups of uh, filter coffee are beneficial. Forty grams of uh, dark chocolate, the eighty percent, seventy percent variety, the cocoa equivalent, will help you. Moderate exercise, three times a week. And um, that's about it. Vitam- among the vitamins, we recommend that your D3 and B levels are up to scratch. If you do take a supplement, then now and again add a vitamin B and take maybe a multivitamin once a week. To take it daily in high doses is meaningless and harmful. And besides, you'll know from going to the toilet that you're weeding it out so you don't take it. And um, the other vitamins that may be helpful are uh, vitamin E, but again, not above 400 milligrams. Vitamin C, not above 400 milligrams. So those are the the overall steps that you can take to keep it at bay. But once once it starts and you have it, um, rosemary tree may be good, but it may not be sufficient. Then rather get get it supplemented. Makes a huge change, you know you're on the right track. Makes no difference and you know you're a bit premature or you're very preoccupied with memory issues. But that again, uh, someone in this field can correct for you and sort out whether it's excessive, normal, or uh, whether you're merely just being very anxious.
2: Mm, okay.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you for that, Prof. (laughs) Claire, you're calling us from near
3: George. Good morning. Good morning to you, Cathy, and your guest and the listeners. Um, I have a comment. Um, uh, I spoke to someone whose 90-year-old grandmother was very active and lucid. Um, It's in an old-age home, and they forced her to be vaccinated they said um, otherwise she would be uh, forced to leave the home and she was vaccinated in the morning by the evening she didn't know uh, uh, recognize where she was got confused about her uh, um, her son um, my friend's father and they said oh she's got dementia now she had no uh, issues with that before and she also uh, i understand that the um, vaccine can create blood clots and also pass the blood brain barrier into the brain and it seems inextricably linked with having the vaccination in her case Mm, that's that's an interesting one
0: prof have you heard of it yet
3: Um,
1: Yes, look, the blood clot issues, um, they've now uh, resolved that it does happen, but it's very, very rare. In other words, if the blood clot's stopping you from taking a vaccine, you should also consider getting into a car, because your chances of dying in a car accident are pretty high once you're in a car. So it's that same thing, you know, what's safe, what's protective. People do uh, die in a car seat strapped in, but we all know you strap in to protect yourself against those many accidents that would have been fatal to you. And vaccines should be in the same way. It's not foolproof. Uh, Your American figures show now that uh, 99.2% of deaths are people who have not been vaccinated and only 0.8, less than 1%. Are with people who have been vaccinated, so again it's not foolproof, but it certainly helps so the friend at ninety years of age, who then has symptoms, uh, what they would do in studies and this is material that will eventually come about uh, they would analyze that remember at ninety she's also it may have happened anyway, whether she had the vaccine or not. But what they do in studies, they look at those who've never had a vaccine at that age, those who were vaccinated, and if they see that the outcome is worse on those with vaccinations, they will revise the policies and say, all right, uh, maybe once you're over 85, you shouldn't have a vaccine uh, because your risk of having what we call an adverse event or something going wrong is much, much higher than... um, being unvaccinated and taking a chance with COVID. Unfortunately, to date, with that whole argument, is that uh, more elderly have died than the other age groups. So one person cannot completely put everything on its head, even if it was due to the vaccine, if mm-hmm. that answers it.
0: Okay. Um yeah. One one of the questions that uh, I'm getting here, Prof, is um, oh gosh, what happened to that question? Okay, I think I've just lost it on, on the WhatsApp line. It was linked to what Claire was speaking about. I'll try and find it. In the meantime, let me go to Anonymous. Anonymous, you're a truck driver on the road. Good morning. Thanks for calling in.
4: Hi, I'm mm-hmm. uh. I on a connective language um uh, 2018 I um um so uh, every day so ah uh, só então é isso que diz aí aqui a clicking mandar que a a mo de plecindo truck stop everything is e fine é a libra lá mo lá que cheira ilmo So só question é muito nálio ana dr moon Sorry ena ite e e tsile nka khona ruki yo so so uh, uh, suspect woa- eh, yeah,
0: awa- oua- o suspecta dementia
4: so, like, mm. sometimes honali gore ithoki libare mari
0: okay all right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Professor Potocnik. So we've got yes. a 46-year-old male. Um, 2018, he says he was cheated on. Um, and, you know, his wife, he did manage to forgive her. But uh, he was thinking a lot about that situation. And, of course, just, I suppose, the emotional stress of um, going through that situation. And, um He wants to know when so when they do the just the regular checkups, it seems that everything is fine with him physically, but he is very forgetful. He forgets things even if it's if something is in his hand, he'll forget it. And he wants to know if there is a test that he can undergo to check if he has dementia or if this could in any way be linked to dementia.
1: Yes, uh, it could well be, and he not that specific incident. I'll go into that just now. Mm. But all the other symptoms would say that he should see uh, a health clinic or a hospital or a doctor, and uh, can either be a geriatrician or an old-age psychiatrist or psychiatrist um, or a physician who knows this kind of work or kick off with a general practitioner. But he should get medical attention, and if they can't solve it for him, it can be passed up the line. So I think, yes, he definitely needs it. This this issue with uh, having been cheated on and then the illness somehow becoming apparent, um, we have a lot of it. There there is a a connection, but not the way we think. So um, what basically happens is the person is already on that slope but not aware of it. Mm. And then some trauma uh, gets to them. It can be a motor vehicle accident, head injury, a mugging. Uh, They can have lost a lot of money on a Ponzi scheme or the favorite child goes overseas or they have a severe flu or like in his case, he gets cheated on with that trauma. And that somehow then starts to precipitate or accelerate that slide. Mm. So we get that very, very commonly. And the family will say, oh, it hadn't been for that argument. This would have never happened. That's not true. It would have have happened. But um, it wouldn't have been so abruptly noticeable.
0: That is very, very interesting information there, uh, Prof. Um, Somebody uh, on the WhatsApp line asking, Liz uh, is asking, can you please talk about genetics and Alzheimer's? how likely are you to develop it if your parents and siblings had it?
1: Yes. So um, the, the genetic transfer is less than one in 100 Alzheimer's disease patients. So let's say your parents are bona fide uh, Alzheimer's disease or one of the parents had it then your chances of being a genetic carrier are less than 1%, and this is important. In order for you to even vaguely qualify to be in that less than 1% group, the parents must have developed their illness while they were in their late 40s of age or early 50s. Right, so... We have these huge families, and they say, Yes, my granddad had my mom, the mm. aunts, and so on, goes on. So we plotted out, and then we say, Right, at what age? Oh, no, that one was 89. Oh, this one was 75. Actually, this one had a stroke at 60. But none of them are anywhere um, late 40s or early 50s. You can already discount it. And the point is that even if your parent had a dementia late 40s or early 50s, and let's say you were a carrier of that gene, you may never express it. So therefore, you go through life, none the wiser, barring that you now worry. So by and large, um, I'm not saying there's no genetic contribution, Mm. but there are really many other things more important to worry about. And those where there is a genetic contribution, we normally know them those families get to to become known by us and we monitor and we help them with genetic advice and so on
0: all right um Karen I'll give you an opportunity just to to weigh in I know that a lot of the questions have been directly from from the prof but uh, I'll give you a, a, an opportunity just in a couple of minutes to also just weigh in on on the conversation no,
2: not a problem at all I mean it's important that uh, people get the correct information from the from
0: the professor, so mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. All right, um, one question for you, Prof. Uh, I am a 34 year old man. I'm not sure if I have a medical condition, but whenever I drink alcohol, I normally forget in the morning the things I was doing the previous night. This happens to me all the time. Might I go for a diagnosis, Prof?
1: If yes, i say it uh, should be seen by a general practitioner and assessed, and then referred to the correct um, department. Uh, there are multiple things that could be at play there, mm. um, including uh, genetics, uh, ethnicity. Um, there are a whole lot of issues. No, that should be explored. If you have no memory the next day, definitely should be
0: explored. You know, often people talk about <laughs> drinking alcohol and not remembering because, uh, you know, maybe yeah. they, they went a bit heavy. But uh, is, it, is are you saying that it is not uh, it, it is not to be assumed to be a usual thing uh, for people to not remember anything once they've taken alcohol?
1: Right, Kathy, I, I I do agree with you that mm-hmm. if, if it goes a bit heavy... And the evening's somehow a little bit blurry. (laughs) I would fully agree with you. That's normal behavior. What what I'm referring to is that he seems to, or she implies, this person implies that they have no recollection of the evening. And that is a problem. So um, they, they must definitely have that scene too
0: all
2: right
1: there multiple causes yeah,
2: yeah. we also Can't have a, yes could, yes karen go for it sorry if i could just maybe you know just uh, butt in um and you know the 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 question that came from the lady regarding the genetics um i i'm assuming that possibly there is a family member um that does have um a dementia and she's concerned um i i live with that having a mother that was diagnosed when she was very young. She was 62 when she was diagnosed. Um, So obviously the younger the diagnosis, the greater the risk factor is. Um, So I think that we need to also focus on some of the uh, modifiable risk factors um, that people who do run that greater risk um, of the genetics and of a number of other um, lifestyle, uh, uh, lifestyle choices Um, and risk factors. So things, for example, um, staying active, eating well, um, engaging in social activities, all promote good brain health um, and may reduce the person's risk um, or your risk of developing a dementia. Um, You know, physical inactivity, smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, um, uh, head injuries, uh, social connections, Um, obesity, hypertension, you know, everything that possibly, you know, in terms of lifestyle choices, Mm. um, diabetes, depression, hearing impairment, all of those kinds of things are things that one can actually do something about. And I think if you do run a greater risk um, of developing a dementia, either through genetics or feeling that, you know, your alcohol consumption is a little bit too much, then, you know, tone it down. Don't smoke as much. Colin um, was was describing in his question in the first uh, um, caller that we had. So I think that there's a number of things that we can actually do. One of the greatest risk factors, obviously, is getting older. Mm. So depending on how we look after our bodies and treat our bodies earlier on in our lives depends on how we actually are going to grow older.
0: I've got this message coming in from Ron and he raises such an important issue in as far as perceptions and uh, perceptions in society are concerned. He says another danger of dementia is when people with dementia are perceived as witches, especially in townships and rural areas, dementia is dementia rather is often linked to witchcraft rather than to disease. Uh, elderly women are often taunted, ostracized, beaten, stoned, etc. Um, and and the the idea, you know, the connection with this person being a witch prevents uh, some from seeking professional help, as it can also be quite expensive in in South Africa. And, you know, for those people who need additional care, Karen, uh, especially being part of a group that is supporting um, families and people who have loved ones living with dementia, how often do you come across that?
2: Very, very, very often. And, you know, as I said right in the beginning, it's a very highly stigmatized um, disease. And I think dementia in South Africa is really poised Um, at the point where um, AIDS and HIV was about 25, 30 years ago, where it's something that's sort of spoken in hushed tones. You don't tell the person. um, You don't tell the family members. You keep it hidden. Um, And, you know, those kinds of things are really, really damaging because, you know, um, society is what it is, particularly in, in rural areas, and in uh, peri-urban areas, uh, you know, we find, um, particularly amongst those that uh, live in smaller communities, um, you know, people are really um, are really uh, um, are really uh, um, stigmatised because they are pretty unable to find themselves around in their surroundings. Their behavior becomes very difficult um, and it's usually always women that are the ones that are um, that are stigmatized um, and usually um, it then affects the entire female lineage where you know the, the, the female's house is burnt um, all the the, the the females in that um, in that 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 line that family line are then ostracized um, or they are also killed. i think that because there is no um, you know indigenous word for uh, a dementia um, you know it it doesn't get the necessary attention that it should be um, so you know and what we do know in the latest uh, um, the latest uh, uh, world alzheimer report 2019, Um, it shows that three-quarters of those with dementia worldwide haven't received a diagnosis. Um, So that is problematic in itself. I mean, I think in South Africa we know that geriatric services and services, healthcare services and psychiatric mental healthcare services to, uh, uh, to older persons, 6 million older persons in South Africa, is really, really compromised. You know, there's probably about 12 or 14 of the doctor, uh, Professor Potoshnitz in South Africa servicing uh, right. a, a, um, a population of 6 million people. Mm. Um, we don't give mental health, geriatric, um, mental health and psychiatric, geriatric psychiatric services the actual importance that they deserve. All right. Let me thank you both for
0: coming onto the show today. Unfortunately, we've completely run out of time for this conversation Professor Felix Potocnik and Karen Barakovitz uh, talking about dementia there.